MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, December 4th, 2019. Today, the Second Circuit hands Trump his eighth loss. More Mueller memos come out of the BuzzFeed FOIA suit. Judge Jackson denies a stay in the McGahn case. Schiff confirms an expansion of impeachment. Harris drops out of the race. Barr is as Barr does. And the chilling effect on the IRS whistleblower. I'm your host, AG, and with me today are Jordan Coburn. Hello. And Amanda Reeder. Hello. Hello. How are you guys? Good. Great. I uh, did core power last night and uh, I changed my mind. Fuck core power. <laughs> you were all about it last night. I barfed in my mouth. <gasps> oh, it's hot, right? It's hot. Stuff. It's very hot. And I didn't realize I because I'm all socially anxious, too. I went in 20 minutes early to get like a spot because like I hate when you go in and it's like, oh, sorry, can I squeeze in here? Like I freaking hate that shit. So I, I go in there. So I'm just sitting there for 20 minutes, just sweating. Oh. And then comes the hour long class that I haven't done in years. And yeah, I just. Laid down for like half of it, barfed in my mouth. The teacher is probably like, "Are you mocking me right now?" What I didn't is- know you didn't. I I didn't know you hadn't been into a yoga class in a while. Not a heated yoga class. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You gotta. Yeah, no, I do yoga at home sometimes, but can uh, work up God. to that. The worst. Well, my face was red for like four hours after. <laughs> it's good though. You got a lot of toxins out. I guess so. <laughs> like, I guess. Also, got a lot of other people's toxins on me. If they're coming out, they're landing somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah they'll go somewhere um so one story we don't have uh a lead on here uh you know in in the in the show is bar is as bar does and that is and i'll probably go into this a little more in depth over the weekend uh either on Mueller she wrote or the daily beans that comes out next monday but do you remember a couple shows ago or actually i think it was sunday night show when i said you know here's what Barr's going to do he's going to come out and he's going to spin the IG report, just like he spun mm-hmm. the Mueller report. Well, he is. He's doing this thing where he's he's basically challenging a key finding of the uh, Inspector General report. And the key finding he's challenging is that the FBI had enough um, information in July of 2016 to justify launching an investigation into members of the Trump campaign. And, and that's absolutely mind-blowing because we've gone through this step-by-step step, uh, with when we interviewed Andy McCabe, and, and he talked about... The, the articulable facts that were in place at the time that that made it an obvious we had to open the investigation. Mm-hmm. It's just unbelievable that he's doing this, but not unbelievable because I said he would. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, beans come true, but in a very shitty way. But we, we expected this. What do you yeah. think he's going to suggest needs to be done to rectify that then? I don't know. Uh, I think they're going to fire Horowitz. He, uh, maybe they could fire Horowitz could be in trouble. Um, I think Horowitz is an Obama holdover Mm. and they might, I think probably they'll spin it that way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I just don't know because, well, the inspector general hasn't come out on their side on anything basically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, I see him as being in trouble now. Yeah. Um, or at least on thin ice with Barr and Trump. And it's just absolutely unbelievable that because, no inspector general report. I've been a part of a lot of inspector general investigations and I know how the IG works and um, I can't go into why and how, but 
I do, and it's never a good thing when an I, when an inspector general report comes out. For so for the inspector generals, particularly the Department of Justice, to come out and find that there was nothing untoward about the opening of the investigation, the FBI wasn't spying, Mifsud wasn't uh, working with the FBI. Um, page and struck, even though they had these text messages, their work was not impacted by political bias, uh, etc. For for that report to come out and find that generally everything's on the up and up, except for this one lawyer way low level who added something to an email, and it probably wasn't even trying to alter the outcome. And the IG actually found that the FISA renewal would have gone through had that not been done. And this was a renewal, not the initial FISA warrant anyway. And Page had already left the campaign at that point. So, I mean, there's like nine levels of it doesn't matter. I didn't know that, if I just heard you correctly, you said the the, the renewal would have gone through had that line in the email not been changed. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought that it was fine that that was in. I thought it wouldn't have made a difference anyway. No, it, w- it wouldn't have made a difference. Oh, good. Okay, cool. It, yeah, it, the, the that FISA renewal would have gone through had that lawyer not added that line. He didn't change one. He just added something to the bottom of an email. But it did go through anyway, right? Right, and it would have gone through. It made no difference. Right, okay. Yeah, I'm sorry if I worded that no, no worries. confusingly. But had that not happened, mm-hmm. it still would have been renewed. Got it. So it Oh, didn't, God, I get what you're saying. Like, it, it wasn't like he was fabricating something that needed to be put there falsely for it to get accepted right because what the republicans will say is oh he added this shit to the bottom of the email and that's why the FISA warrant got approved that's not the case at all Uh, that that additional line did not have an impact on the renewal of that FISA application Mm -hmm. and so for him for for Barr to come out and be like no no you know we expected it I, i i i called we called it and a lot of people did. A lot of people expected this to happen. But I, you're, I don't know. You're right. I don't know what's going to happen. He could come out in a press conference and and try to say they didn't have enough to open an investigation. But like you said, Jordan, over the weekend, when I, when, I, when we were talking about Barr coming out and spinning this uh, pro-Trump, because y- you were like, yeah, but didn't haven't like a bunch of judges already looked at this mm-hmm. and ruled mm-hmm. that his appointment was legit and as was the origins mm-hmm. the oranges of the investigation yes yes so mm-hmm. i you know i just i don't even I, it's, it's unbelievable that he's doing this if they yeah. replace horowitz with a different trump sympathizer or just a trump sympathizer can congress sue the doj for putting someone in that's gonna like be a yes person they can subpoena them i if they do wrong things um you know, I think it's incident-based, right. not just sort of... Right, right. Yeah. Assuming the incident will come up very quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it would be investigated. <laughs> they would launch an ethics investigation. By then, we would be past 2020, and he'll be out of office anyway, yeah. right? Because we're all going to vote, right? Yes, right? yes, yes. <sighs> um, so I just I wanted to go over that story because that's just unbelievable. That Because we've been talking about, you know, when uh, Joyce Vance did that piece in Time magazine and mentioned uh, our tweet about regardless of anything else the point is we can't trust the department mm-hmm. of justice and and this this is why these kinds of things are why mm-hmm. and and for them to come out with uh, what i was saying about the the findings of this ig report that generally everything was on the up and up except for that one little addition that didn't end up making an impact mm-hmm. um, from that low level lawyer uh, that they made a criminal referral to who won't be prosecuted put some beans on it uh, that means that it had to have been done so right so it's like because the inspector general reports are never good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so for mm-hmm. it to come out with that conclusion 
that means not ever not only was everything done right it was done extra right like they were very very careful about it and i don't i don't take andy mccabe to be sort of a or or comey to be like a slapdash kind of happenstance fly by the seat of his j crew pants kind mm-hmm. of fella there tends to be some um order and discipline in the fbi <laughs> Of all places. A little yeah, bit. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not just Bart. Yeah. Have um, you seen his haircut? I mean, he's very yeah, meticulous. Exactly. He's an organized dude. Yeah. Um, I took the time today to watch one of the interviews with um, John, Ken- uh, John Kennedy from Louisiana. I'm sorry with, um, that you did Chuck that. Todd. Well, we've you been okay? talking about it and I just, I'm kind <laughs> yeah, like, I'm no, I'm still reeling from it. Do you it's feel just, dumber? God, I, I I feel like maybe I killed a few brain cells with rage. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> rage explosions in your yeah. brain. Yeah, because this is related to to Barr coming out and coming against the the IG report. It's just the the lying. You know, I was just it, it, every every couple of days, and and I say every couple of days, which is sad because it shouldn't be that often. But every couple of days, I'm watching a Republican lie to my face on television, mm-hmm. and it's just like. John Kennedy in particular. You must not watch TV every day. <laughs> well, but it depends on the level of egregiousness, right? I mean, they're lying constantly, but sometimes it's particularly extra lie. Extra lie. And sometimes CNN spares us and doesn't put too many clips of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But the interview with John Kennedy from Louisiana, not not Joe Kennedy, but John Kennedy mm-hmm. and Chuck Todd. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I really talk about punchable faces. He is jumping to the top of the list for me. Well, it's yeah. a, mm-hmm. it was a really interesting point that Chuck Todd made, um, or maybe it wasn't Chuck Todd. It was maybe another commentator. It was Chuck Todd. <laughs> um, oh, you mean from some, MSNBC? Point, yeah, actually, I don't think it was his commentary. I was watching a um, uh, a guy on YouTube who was providing commentary about the interview, mm-hmm. but he was saying, you know, um, the Repl- Republican senators keep pointing um, to to Ukraine, saying, "Oh, well, it, they were working for Hillary Clinton." There's people in the country who were, you know, working with the Hillary Clinton campaign, and he was like, "Well, you know, there was actually something like 40 countries around the world which were making negative comments about Trump before he came into office, and it just so happens that we're focusing on Ukraine when mm-hmm. like other world leaders mm-hmm. said bad things about Trump at the exact same time, but." They're not being accused of working with the Clinton campaign. And there were also about 40 countries that came out in support of Trump. Sure. So and and Seth Abramson brought that up in one of his threads. And we're going to talk about what you're getting at yeah. uh, with the, you know, on and on with this John Kennedy or this this Russia propaganda yeah. stuff, because you're going to Jordan, mm-hmm. you're going to talk about um, Senator Burr. Yeah. And that's pretty unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. They're just picking up the disinformation baton mm. and running past it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to be putting that. All right, well, uh, we should get to the news news now, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Yeah, that wasn't, you know, that was just (laughs) beginning news. (laughs) Now we're going to get into it. Um, We have some amazing, great news today in the Trump versus the House of Representatives case for the Deutsche Bank and Capital One Records. Mm -hmm. Let's take a listen to this interview. All right. And joining us today, uh, our expert, our resident expert here, uh, who we've just recently had on the Mueller She Wrote podcast, Uncle Blazer from Twitter. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm happy today. This is a good day, uh, despite the naysayers. And I I wanted to get you on the phone real quick so that you could tell us about the Second Circuit Court of Appeals decision today. Yeah, well, it's a great decision. Um, It is a two to one decision uh, with uh, Newman and Hall in the majority and uh, Livingston and the minority and the majority found uh, against Trump and uh, validated the subpoena um, requiring Deutsche Bank to turn over 
all of Trump and his business and family members' uh, bank records to both the Financial Services Committee and the uh, House Intelligence Committee. There were twin subpoenas issued on the same day by both uh, the Intelligence Committee and the Financial Services Committee, and both looking for the exact same documents from Deutsche Bank, and both of those subpoenas were upheld by the court in this decision. Uh, did, didn't they also uh, subpoena Capital One um, in this case, too, or is that a different case? Yeah, Capital One is in the case as well, but I, I think the, where the, the big uh, trove is, is at Deutsche Bank, at least. I, I don't know a lot about uh, Trump's relationship with Capital One and what documents Capital One might have, but all of the action seems to be centered around Deutsche Bank, so that's just sort of how I uh, shorthand the case myself. Yeah, and this is this is huge because it's not just Trump's financial documents; it's all of his business entities and his family's business entities, and uh, I think that that's a significant difference. And and uh, I have a question for you. Not that it matters. We've talked about this. It doesn't matter who appoints a judge. A judge is a judge. Um, but out of curiosity, I was wondering if you knew the composition of the court of the three ju- justices uh, that um, that ruled in this case. Yeah, uh, Judge Newman um, is a Carter appointee, and Hall and Livingston are both uh, George W. Bush appointees to the court. So we have one uh, Democrat appointee and two GOP appointees on the panel, and you got a split in the two uh, W. judges, one uh, siding with Newman in the majority and, and Livingston going off on her own in a dissent that is one of the more disingenuous dissents I recall seeing, at least recently. And we all know here that Trump isn't trying to win on the merits of any of these five major cases that we discussed on Mueller, she wrote on Sunday night. But uh, they, this court uh, today did something uh, I haven't seen done yet in, in, you know, in, in the course of this to sort of rob Trump of, of his delay tactics. Can you explain what they did? Yeah, it's it, it's almost like the they've evolved a little bit and figured out how to get around uh, Trump's stonewalling uh, that he is attempting to use in these in these cases. Because what the court did is it it stayed its own mandate, so it issued a mandate uh, requiring Deutsche Bank to turn over the documents, but issued a stay on its own mandate, saying that Trump had to file with the Supreme Court to try to get a, a longer stay from Supreme from the Supreme Court within seven days, or else the mandate takes effect and Deutsche Bank will have to turn over the documents. So rather than allowing Trump time to uh, file for an en banc rehearing and you know eventually getting around to trying to get a stay, um, they just went ahead and put him on a seven-day clock. Now, can he appeal? Uh, so he's got seven days to appeal to SCOTUS. Uh, can he also appeal uh, to have an en banc hearing simultaneously to, at the same time? Or, is, or does this sort of make that not a, possible, not a possibility? Well, he can do it. I mean, he could, he could go ahead and ask for an en banc rehearing of the case. He actually has 14 days to, to do that under the Second Circuit rules, unlike the D.C. Circuit, where he had 30 days to ask for an en banc rehearing. But the, the thing is, once he goes to the Supreme Court to ask for a stay, I think the Supreme Court is likely to either 
deny his stay, which is a possibility. I would assume they would grant it like they did the Mazars stay since the two cases are very similar. But if, and if they deny the, I'm sorry, if they, if they grant the stay, then they could at the same time put the case on an accelerated schedule at the Supreme Court and essentially take away his opportunity to ask for an en banc rehearing. The en banc rehearing would really just be an attempt to stall. Uh, he, he, would, he would almost certainly lose um, the en banc rehearing, although the Second Circuit is um, predominant, uh, or I shouldn't say predominantly, it is majority GOP judges. One of those GOP judges is Hall, who is one of the judges who issued this decision. So that essentially flips the court to a majority if you if you take the the um, Democrat appointed uh, judges and add Hall to the mix on their side of the ledger, you would assume that on banc rehearing would be denied because you you now have a majority of the of the Democrat appointees plus Hall gives you a gives you a majority in the Second Circuit. And then um, next steps because this was done so quickly and that he has until the tenth to. File. Do you think they might, uh, SCOTUS might take this in conference on the 13th or maybe January 10th? But either way, like, what are the next steps? And then what do you say to people who are saying, oh, well, it's just going to get pushed back to beyond the election? Uh, well, um, the beyond the election part is is really not that that's not feasible that it could go beyond the election. But what I foresee happening is they've got until the 10th to request a stay. I, I think that they'll make that filing in time. If I were the the House Democrats, the the um, Intelligence Committee and the Financial Services Committee, I would be ready with my response to the stay request and be ready to file it on the 11th in hopes of getting the papers completed and in front of uh, the court in time for its conference on the 13th. I, I think that just with the way the timing works, it's going to be tough to get that case in front of the court on the 13th. I think what may happen at this point is the court may schedule another conference date for the following week um, and take up the Mazars case and the Deutsche Bank cases both together um, because they, they are so similar in, in every way. They really make a lot of sense to, to consider together. However, the Supreme Court comes out on one, they're almost certain to come out on the other, although don't tell uh, Judge Livingston that because she, she attempts to distinguish the two cases and essentially says that, that uh, although she, would, she dissented from the majority in the Deutsche Bank case and seemed to indicate that she would have sided with the majority in the Mazars case, and for, for reasons that are pretty difficult to fathom. But we, and we can talk a little bit about that dissent, too, if you want, just because it's such a it's a bit of a head scratcher and makes me really question this judge. Yeah, I think we might cover that um, uh, in in one of the weekend episodes when we've got a little more time to because I want to sift through it uh, and read it thoroughly myself before we cover it. But I, I really wanted to kind of hit the main points of this. Uh, particular decision and sort of get the timeline. I think uh, I, I, I'm, I agree with you. I think that the SCOTUS will likely issue a stay just because they have and uh, that Trump gets stays uh, because he's the president of the United States, I think. And uh, I think they'll issue that stay and then maybe take it up on December 13th, maybe push it back a week and have 
a conference, like you said, at not a normal conference scheduling date, but because of the speed with which these have to go through now with the impeachment inquiry uh, consideration, uh, January 10th would be the, the latest, I would think. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think another possibility, I think that the, the possibilities are greater than we probably perceive because we think of the Supreme Court as acting on particular days, like its conference date on the 13th. But I, I do think it's also possible for them to schedule another conference date. But I also think they could, on the 13th, they could decide the Mazars case and the Deutsche Bank cases together and either grant or deny cert on both. If they're inclined, let's put it this way, if they're inclined to grant cert in the Mazars case, I would think they would go ahead and grant cert in the Deutsche Bank case, basically consolidate them into one case and decide them together. Um, that, that's certainly something that's within their, their power to do. Um, and I, I could, I, because the issues for, for, you know, judicial efficiency, it might make sense for them to just grant cert on both cases, put them both on an accelerated schedule with, you know, uh, papers filed in January, oral argument in, in February, and decisions in March on, on both cases. But I, 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 you know, I'm just speculating, and there, I think there are so many possibilities, all of which, though, have this being resolved by no later than June, and almost certainly significantly sooner than that, because the court understands how important these issues are and the fact that we are in the middle of an impeachment inquiry. Yeah, makes sense. Worst case scenario, June, everybody. So stop with the, uh, he's going to push it back past the elections. I just don't think that's feasible. Thank you so much for coming on, talking to us today. Uncle Blazer on Twitter, you can find him at Blake's Mustache. Unroll all of his threads. They're pretty amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, AJ. And in other federal court news, as soon as Trump lost another case, the one about whether Don McGahn, former White House counsel, should have to testify, uh, Trump filed for an appeal and asked both the appellate court and the district court for a stay pending the appeal. The appellate court granted the stay. We were all pretty bummed about that, but only gave Trump until December 5th, stripping him of his 90-day right to file um, with SCOTUS. And so they, they shortened it up considerably um, because that would have landed on February 11th, and it, they pushed it to December 5th. And in the interim, the district court judge, who also was asked for a stay, denied the stay. Pretty much on the grounds we had discussed, the merits are shit, uh, no irreparable harm, the public's right to know, and uh, harm to the impeachment inquiry. Her stay, that's Judge Jackson, um, like Judge Beryl Howell's stay in the Mazars case from the Oversight Committee, is overruled by the appellate court stay, but the briefing scheduled... Um, may have been or the but the briefings scheduled have been massively accelerated and their opinions on the stay will be uh, taken into consideration by the appellate court. So we'll be tracking these cases closely for you. But if you're keeping score, Trump has lost eight federal court decisions <laughs> in the big five. That's oh, the big five cases working their way up to SCOTUS, which include the Deutsche Bank case we just spoke with Uncle Blazer about, the Mazars Oversight Committee case, the Mazars Cy Vance Manhattan District Attorney case, the McGann subpoena case, and the Mueller Grand Jury Materials case with Beryl Howell. Um, Judge Beryl Howell, all of which uh, will have decisions by June latest, worst case scenario, more likely March or even sooner. Um, so the judiciary is strong despite the rot at the Department of Justice in the White House and the Senate. So stay positive. No doom lords. Wow. Eight times he's gotten. Yep. All five district down. courts have ruled against him and three appellate courts have ruled God against damn. him. That's an octopus of failure right there. <laughs> <laughs> and that's an episode title right there <laughs> octopus of failure Ugh. 
<laughs> I feel like sucks. I want to put in parentheses like Trump lost eight times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, they'll figure it out. Yeah. Oh, God. And he's always fucking talking about being a winner and he's just the biggest loser. He is. He is he's the biggest loser. The best deal maker I've ever met. Oh, yeah. The art of the deal. <laughs> mm hmm. Um, and Adam Schiff released the majority report from the HIPSI House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, pronounced HIPSI, uh, and his impeachment investigation in the Ukraine scheme. Uh, it says pretty much what we thought it would. Trump is a crimer. Um, and Trump and multiple other conspirators abused power and obstructed justice and obstructed Congress extensively by bribing the current Ukrainian government to announce investigations into a political rival in exchange for military aid and White House meetings, the release of military aid. Uh, Schiff said in a press conference he intends to continue investigating other aspects of the Ukraine scheme, including possible pressure from this administration on the previous Ukrainian government, specifically President Poroshenko and Lutsenko, the, um, the corrupt prosecutor general. Uh, most surprising uh, to me at a cursory reading of the report are the call records uh, showing just how involved Devin Nunes was in the coordination and conspiracy surrounding the ouster of Marie Ivanovich and, you know, to pave the way for the bribe. Um, the call records show calls between Nunes and Parnas, uh, Nunes and Giuliani, and calls with John Solomon. He's the Hill reporter that's under investigation by the Hill, by that organization, that published the lies forged by Giuliani about Yovanovitch, Biden, and CrowdStrike. And we also have proof that Nunez staffer uh, Cash Patel spoke with Giuliani on May 10th for 25 minutes, just as after Giuliani spoke to Volcker about his upcoming and eventually canceled trip to Ukraine. Uh, the Hipsy is also questioning Sundland's assertion that he spoke to Trump on September 9th. We posited that. Um, that call was fabricated to make it look like Trump didn't want anything from Ukraine. That was the one where, you know, I want nothing. I want nothing. Mm -hmm. No quid pro quo. Uh, there's also a timeline regarding the Solomon communications. Um, that's the, the journalist. Uh, April 1st, Solomon published an op-ed called Joe Biden's 2020 Ukraine Nightmare. And then uh, over the next six days... Lev Parnas spoke over the phone with Giuliani 16 times and with Solomon 10 times. And then on April 7th, Solomon published a hit job on Yovanovitch. Less than a week later, DeGeneva and Tonzi signed a retainer agreement with Lutsenko and Kulik, former corrupt prosecutors and sources for the Solomon op-eds. Then April 24th, Giuliani appeared on Fox discussing Biden. And then after that, had three calls with someone at the Office of Management and Budget. Those are the people responsible mm -hmm. for holding and releasing the aid. There's a lot here. We're going to go over it in more detail this weekend on Mueller, She Wrote. So um, check that out uh, wherever you get your pods. And during his appearance last night on The Rachel Maddow Show, Adam Schiff confirmed that the impeachment probe will address more than just the Ukraine bribe. Nice. The steps he outlined include, first of all, the House Intelligence Committee submits their report to Ukraine to, on Ukraine today, while continuing to investigate Ukraine and take depositions from new witnesses like Parnas with the possible supplemental reports to the judiciary to follow. Sweet. Then the judiciary will continue to investigate the Mueller findings, which would seemingly include a McGahn testimony and obtaining the Mueller grand jury materials. Both cases are slated to be argued in the D.C. Court of Appeals on January 3rd. I call it the separation of powers Super Bowl. Uh, then the judiciary will receive reports from other committees, those other six committees with it, that Nancy Pelosi named mm -hmm. that were um, umbrellaed under the impeachment inquiry. Um, the judiciary will see reports from those committees investigating Trump, which include oversight, House Ways and Means, Senate Finance, or uh, excuse me, House Finance. Uh, and then the judiciary will consult with House chairs to draft articles. So put some beans on it. We aren't done here. Um, and this could go on. I, this, If he's impeached by Christmas, which I seriously doubt, then all this is going to come up in the Senate trial. But I honestly don't. 
I personally put some beans on them not impeaching by Christmas. Because mm-hmm. what, what would change that? Why? Why do you think that's changed? Well, it's not just this report going to the judiciary, judiciary drafting articles and voting. Like I said, those other steps have to happen. Um, the judiciary has to complete its investigation. The other committees have to complete their investigations, or at least their reports. Mm-hmm. They maybe not complete the investigation, draw a line somewhere like shift drew the line on Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And they have to get all their reports in. And then they all have to meet together and draft the articles. Then they have to vote on them in the House Judiciary Committee. Then they have to send it to the full House for a vote. There's just, I don't think there's any way to get that done by Christmas. Yeah, no, it does seem like a lot. But they have, It's. I thought they were saying last month they thought it would be done by Christmas. They're still, well, they aren't saying that anymore. Okay. They haven't right. held to that. Right, right, yeah, that's what, yeah, that's that's what, what they were saying. And that's asking. what people are that's what the mainstream media and people are still saying. Oh, we're yeah. by Christmas and Merry Christmas. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. Put yeah. some beans on it. I, I think yeah. it's going to go at least into January. I agree. It seems like it's way too much to do in too small amount of time. Yeah. I feel like we'll be drafting articles of impeachment in March, especially if they're including stuff outside the Ukraine stuff. <clears throat> right. Exactly. Yeah. Because at first I was like, well, at least they should at least include the obstruction of justice stuff. But you're going to want McGahn's testimony to do that, which we could get in a Senate trial, but it makes more sense to do it in the House. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, Adam Schiff, on the other hand, said we are doing this quickly. We have to do it urgently because this it's dangerous that he's the president. And I'm like, OK, but after the Mueller report came out, you were cool. Uh, so, yeah. I, you know, I'm like, mm, I think they had a plan. I think they had a plan. Pelosi had a plan to impeach in March or so when all of these Mueller cases were going to be ripe. And they were waylaid by Ukraine Mm. and they had to start it. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what happens. I mean, either way, everything's fine. I'm fine with, with, if we impeach him before Christmas and do this all in the Senate trial. And I'm fine if the impeachment goes on till March. My preference is the impeachment articles are drawn up after we have all of the evidence and then it's sent to the Senate for trial. That's my personal favorite, Mm -hmm. but who knows? We'll see. If they wait till after the new year, maybe some people's resolutions will be to stop lying to Congress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't quit cold turkey, though. I mean, you really got to titrate down off of that shit. Yeah. Otherwise, bam. Just a little, just a little light. Just a taste. You start throwing up in your mouth all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. We'll be right back with news on Flynn and Senator Burr's penchant for Russian talking points. Stay with us. Hey everybody, it's AG. This Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Ancestry. Ever wonder about your family's roots? Uh, are there myths or family lore that pique your curiosity? You can discover so much more about your own story and your family's genealogy and origins with Ancestry. By combining the Ancestry DNA test with billions of historical family records, you can learn so much about yourself that you never knew. Ancestry uses precise geographical detail and specific historical insights to connect you to the places in the world where your story started. You can trace your ancestors' journey over time, following how and why your family moved from one place to another. Only Ancestry can tell such a detailed story with unique features and record collections that give a more complete picture about a person, like events that shaped them, how they made a living, what they excelled in. When I got my results back, I learned I'm 96% Western European and I'm related to Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. I even found out that one of my ancestors was a comedy musician who played the banjo in the 20s in New York. So apparently comedy and music is in my DNA. Who knows what you'll discover about yourself and your own origins. Start a free trial on Ancestry and amplify your results by building a family tree to get more complete a story. Go to Ancestry.com slash Daily Beans today for 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. That's Ancestry.com slash Daily Beans for 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. Once again, Ancestry.com slash Daily Beans. You'll be glad you did. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's a big fat news day. It's a big fat news day in this land. Uh, we now have an update on the Flynn case, Jordan. Yes, Flynn's sentencing is being pushed back to probably January at the earliest because Sullivan is letting him travel to South Korea 
And that trip is going from December 21st to January 7th, or at least that's the range he's allowed to be out of the country. Uh, and he's ordered to give back his passport no later than January 8th. <laughs> so he gets a 24-hour turnaround time from when he gets back to the United States to when he has to give his passport back. Why even confiscate it if you're going to let him go to South Korea? Yeah, that is interesting. I guess I have no idea. I haven't seen what he's doing there. I don't know. Do you know? They say he says he has family there. Okay. Hmm. All, All right. right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, that is plausible, I suppose. I guess so. But why, hey, why doesn't the family come here, maybe? <laughs> Considering he's a convicted felon, and, well, not convicted, felon, and maybe should, you know, not leave the country. That is right. odd, right? It's just odd to me that, that Sullivan, who doesn't like Flynn, yeah. would let him go to South Korea. I'm like, you know what? I'll take, I'll take uh, I trust Sullivan. Yeah, me too. So. Maybe the family can't come here, though, for other reasons. It's expensive, I guess. Could be. But Flynn is going to have probably not a lot of money, maybe, if a fine is involved, really. Well, he's probably spent his fortune on legal fees. Yeah. Sidney Powell's draining him, I'm sure of it. Yeah. Shaking Are, that tree. He, totally. Do you think they'll seize any of his assets? Oh, for sure. Yeah. If he's convicted? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. He might have had to put some up for bail. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, yeah. So pretty much we just have to keep waiting until a sentencing date is officially announced. Well. It was going to be the 18th of this month, and then it got pushed, and then- It was no. going to be the 18th of December last year, and then it got- Oh, then, yeah. really? Yeah. Remember when- Oh, my gosh. Remember Oops. when Sullivan was like, you don't want me to sentence you today? Oh, right, right, right. That, that's okay, the yeah, OG. Yeah. And then it was December 18th, and we're like, yes. it's the anniversary of the first time yes. you were yelled at and <laughs> called treasonous. Uh, and January's cool, though. That's my birthday. I'll take it. Yeah. You see him go to jail for a long time for my birthday. Mm-hmm. It really does seem like there's a pattern in these judges being really, really chill- with the people that are about to be sentenced because right, there's like stone, stone. Yeah. yeah stone is able to just like live his life for the next two months yeah, what'd you do you just made a instagram post of my face and some crosshairs it's cool man just go be you yeah weird did he yeah let's don't do that yeah mm-hmm. that's oh, what got damn. him that's one of the things that got him one of the gag orders <laughs> oh my god <laughs> he's into uh, gagging though i'm sure mm-hmm. and that is not a shaming comment no <laughs> no his like, to each thread. <laughs> yeah, he was probably like brought my own. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> that's what's in his briefcase. He just yeah. opens it up. It's just a bunch of ball gags. He's got like that and, and Antonio Banderas in that assassination movie where he opens up his guitar case and there's eight hundred ball gags and uh, hoods. And that's so funny. <laughs> Bought some wrist ties. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's what's going on with Flynn stuff. <laughs> Nope, Your Honor, I brought my own. (laughs) (laughs) Don't need to gag me. (laughs) Maybe he hangs out with uh, with Kellyanne and George. They got some shit going on too. Did you see him? Did you see him? Yes. Quote her tweet. What the hell? I know. The the only explanation is that they have some sort of kink dynamic. It is. It's It's the only thing they have. They have a sub dom contract. Oh yeah, and they're working it out. It's also just like similarly to bedroom shit. I don't really want to see that publicly. No, it's like I don't want to see you post your dysfunctional ass relationship that's tearing the country apart (laughs) online. I don't want to see that shit. It's like fix your shit. Go to therapy. It's God. like it's like the movie Secretary, but not attractive people. <laughs> you don't think Kellyanne's pretty? You don't think she's I pretty? Can see, 
She's like a, a pretty lady. I'm not gonna have this maybe under the she's hate. A pretty lady. Maybe under, maybe under the hate layers. I could see. Okay. It. I mean, she's I, older. I, I'm not saying it's she's not a like, physical thing. I cannot. My brain doesn't find people who are attractive who are so hateful. I think oh, that's. Yeah, right. I think yeah, that's totally. what my the 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 wall I'm running into as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, look, is she like? If I saw her on the street, would I think you're a disgusting woman? No, no I would think you are a moderately attractive human being in the world. Yes. But again, like and then she would start talking. It's the hateful energy field around her. Totally. I think, so. I think you're right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's Flynn stuff. And now, <laughs> less Flynn. <laughs> yeah. Less sexy talk is uh, Richard Burt, who used to be kind of a sexy beacon of maybe potential justice on the Senate Intelligence Committee because he was the Republican chair who was for a while allowing investigations and facilitating investigations to go on in a pretty like fair way. Right. He was calling witnesses that were like supported by both sides of the aisle or not actually not at all. Pretty much witnesses that Dems wanted to bring, witnesses that Republicans definitely have not wanted to bring, but he was down for it. And there was like a really long time there where anytime we brought up the Senate Intelligence Committee, it was kind of like, I mean, we'll see what happens. But right now it seems like Burr's doing a pretty solid job, I guess, of just like plugging along. But he has completely switched his tune. And as of this week, he is entirely just back on the Republican side. And And I think the clue was, because we were always like, seems like a reasonable bipartisan committee. And we would say of all the committees... And you're like, this is when Nunes was in charge of the House. God. Of all the committees, this one I have the most faith in, Mm -hmm. except for that bit when we found out that... Uh, after Comey and the gang, after Comey and the FBI briefed the gang of eight, Burr ran to the White House. Yeah, yeah. And so that was like, what? Yeah, I guess should have the silver or the the positive spin on that could be maybe he is like, oh shit, this stuff is really bad. I'm going to go talk to Trump about it. And yeah. why? Why did why? <laughs> but it's probably not like <laughs> well, that why? at all. Why? Well, why? Why? Yeah. Be constructive with your feedback. Yeah, but he's going public now uh, with his support of the just same old GOP talking points we've been hearing in all these impeachment hearings and uh, surrounding Ukraine gates. Um, He had an interview on Monday with NBC, and I'm just going to read some of the the takeaway quotes from here. Quote, every elected official in the Ukraine was for Hillary Clinton. Is that very different than the Russians being for Donald Trump? End quote. Yes, it is different. It's very, very, very different. Yes. He yes, said that because the Russians hacked the DNC and mm-hmm. weaponized the release and timing of the hacked exactly. materials mm-hmm. and also infiltrated our social media and also sent Russians here to pose as Americans yes. and get fake identities from that Pinedo guy who went to jail, by the way. Uh, yeah, it's a little different. Yes. It's still different. Um, also, the fact that all American intelligence agencies have concluded that Russia interfered with our yes. election and not Ukraine. Maybe also that. Yes. Oh, whatever. You know, no big. And this moral equivalency that somehow a country like Ukraine that is supporting a candidate that would uphold their sovereignty is corrupt in the same way that a really corrupt country who's tried to take sovereignty from that nation forcibly and is mm-hmm. still trying to. It's so like it's so much different. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's such bullshit. Yeah. That and there they're... were like, for example, the, the Hungarian president came out for Trump. Uh, France came out for Trump. Um, a bunch of other officers in Ukraine that that came out for Trump. Uh, and Russia came out for Trump, mm-hmm. and, and China came out for Trump. But we don't have indictments against China, Hungary, France, China. Not Macron, though. Was it the president who came out in support of Trump, or was it a candidate like Marine Le Pen or something? I'll have to look up 
yeah. the details. I'm sorry, I don't no, have them okay. all in front of me. I was there's just a, there's about, about a 60, 60 tweet thread yeah, yeah. from Seth Abramson who, that explains it all. Mm-hmm. But that we didn't indict them. No. They weren't investigated. Our intelligence communities didn't say they interfered in our election it's mm-hmm. just russia because of the extensive amount that they did and to yeah for the it and it's so great that you because seth abramson was like this is going to be their defense 100 percent guarantee they're going to try to say that they that ukraine was pro-hillary mm-hmm. and that's going to plant a seed but you have to remember all the other countries that were pro-trump all the other countries that were pro-hillary and the only country that got 25 people and three entities indicted were rush was russia yep because their behavior was egregious it was egregiously criminal criminal um. Yeah. So, uh, you, you're exa- the criminal. I think is a key word. You're exactly right. So, like Marine Le Pen coming out in favor of Trump mm-hmm. isn't a crime, right? It's just a sad step in the direction <laughs> of global white nationalism that is continuing, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. Here's another quick Q and A. I mean, you guys get the point. But here we go. Uh. They they NBC asks, is there any evidence that Ukraine meddled in the 2016 election? Burr said, I don't think there's any question that elected officials in Ukraine had a favor in the election. So they're just saying they're just repeating the Hillary shit over and over and over again. That's all they're gonna have to rely on basically because. The Hunter stuff has zero legs. There's absolutely no information that corroborates any of those claims. Hillary, I, I guess, is that also doesn't have legs, but they're just going to keep hammering down on that. I really don't see any signs of stopping there. Yeah, and Duncan Hunter uh, pleaded guilty today. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny because somebody tweeted, oh, I think you were investigating the wrong Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh wait, like Hunter Biden. Okay, good. Duncan okay, Hunter. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure. I was like, wait, did a Republican post that? Which hunt? Which hunt? Which way? <laughs> which way? The good way. The funny yeah. way. Okay, good. Um, yeah, and and then they followed up with a question to him saying, "Would you consider that meddling? Being having a favor in election? Would you consider that meddling?" And Burr said, "I mean, you'll have to define meddling." Oh, for fuck's sake! We're back yes. on the collusion train now. Yes, but that was something that was publicly out there. Ugh. Oh, God. And why this is particularly frustrating, obviously, it's incredibly infuriating, but there's there's a history of already debunking so many of these conspiracy theories. The fact that we're back here, and especially someone like Burr, who was leading a committee that came to conclusions that there was nothing to these conspiracy theories is absurd, and it's mind-numbing, and it really fucking sucks. Yeah. yeah I, was just th- I was just thinking... Every time we hear about another Republican acting in this manner, it, I mean, we we already know that Trump surrounds himself with mob-like people. Again, mm-hmm. it just makes me wonder, like, what does he have on these people? Why are these people just why, why would why they flip are, back? Well, yeah, why are why are they defending him to this level? Mm-hmm. Like, with clear understanding of the wrongdoings, what to what end? Yeah, I wonder maybe because I mean, when Burr was doing, you know, the better stuff, mm-hmm. I guess. Maybe it's because this is pre-Trump getting all of them in a room saying, you guys really need a fight for me or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. he got to him in that way. Um, you should fight for me. Also, I have a folder on every single one of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, totally, I think you're right. Money yeah. is definitely involved. Re-election is definitely involved or else I don't see why he would just join the other side um, for the fun of it. But I can't even say I'm try- I'm like I'm not meaning to paint him as like some kind of Democrat like mm-hmm. Republican. He's definitely not. He just hasn't been 
incredibly shitty like the rest of them like nonsensically shitty you know so he's just one more person who's putting party over country exactly yeah because back in october of 2017 burr said that the committee would be looking into collusion by either campaign during the 2016 elections and they found nothing other than the russia stuff exactly what you were saying they looked in to both parties which means after October of 2017, um, and after that investigation that they conducted, they walked away confidently saying that we cannot say we saw any other evidence of Hillary's campaign engaging in the same stuff that Russia was trying to get Trump's campaign to engage in. Mm. Um, and also the Chalupa contacts, which are now being reiterated, were something that the committee knew about and already chose to not investigate further. They already knew all of this yeah, stuff. Yeah, in fact, their report, they say that it was pretty much useless testimony. It had nothing mm-hmm. to do with anything. Thank yes. you. Yeah, Cause exactly. Because she testified, I'm not affiliated with the DNC, mm-hmm. and my work was on Manafort, and okay, can I go now? And, mm-hmm. you know, she gave her testimony, and, and, and the whole committee was like, well, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And for for outsider context, um, Angus King, he's from Maine. He's on a committee. He's an independent that tends to kind of like roll with the Democrats. He like caucuses with them. He said that he's probably been to between 20 to 30 briefings and hearings on this subject of election interference in 2016. And I have never heard one word about any culpability on the part of Ukraine. Yep. So... They're and just still going to draw from this well that has it's no substance thing. in it's it. It's all they've got. They've made up a lie and they have to stick with it because Trump came out early and said, I did nothing wrong. It was a perfect call. So instead of saying, ah, it was wrong, but not impeachable. Now they all have to say he did nothing wrong. And in order to divert from that fact, they have to use Russian talking points. It's mm-hmm. gross. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you for all that reporting. Yeah, yeah. totally. Grody, but awesome. Very grody. Yeah, very Merci good. beaucoup, Jordan. Yes. Indeed. De rien. <laughs> very good. <laughs> <laughs> That's me trying to roll my R. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll be right back with new Muller memos from the BuzzFeed FOIA request. Stick around. Hey, Daily Beans listeners, it's AG. As many of us know, it can be hard to get out of debt and even harder to get a loan to help you get out of debt when your credit score isn't great. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that knows you're more than just your credit score. They offer smarter interest rates to help you pay off high interest credit card debt. Pretty much every comic I know is in debt with student loans and credit card payments. And seriously, Upstart can help. Upstart goes beyond the traditional credit score when assessing your credit worthiness and actually rewards you based on your education and your job history in the form of a smarter interest rate. Upstart makes the process incredibly fast and easy. You can check your rate in just a few minutes, and once approved, most people get their funds the very next business day. Over 300,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards to meet their financial goals. Free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one low monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot and hurry up to upstart.com slash dailybeans to find out how low your upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes and won't affect your credit. It doesn't hit your credit. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back. Yesterday, we got another dump of Mueller memos coming out of the BuzzFeed FOIA lawsuit. As we know, BuzzFeed had said with the volume of underlying Mueller materials, we could expect to get a monthly dump of several hundred pages every month for at least the next eight years. Uh, longevity for Mueller, she wrote. Uh, so some key takeaways. Cohen told FBI agents about the nego- negotiations to build Trump Tower Moscow and that Trump knew about it. 
and he told them about the lies he told the House and the Senate Intelligence Committees. Cohen said he informed Trump during his presidential campaign that he had a discussion with a woman from the Kremlin about the plan to build the tower. He also said, a woman from the Kremlin. <laughs> Sounds like a movie. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> the woman from the Kremlin. He also said uh, lawyers from the Joint Defense Agreement with Trump edited his statement to Congress about Trump Tower. So... That was at the direction of. Finally, Cohen told the FBI after he was raided, he spoke with Seculo and they talked about pardons. Um, Then in the Chris Christie interview with the FBI, Christie said Trump asked him to praise Comey, tell him to call up Comey, tell him that Trump likes him. And Christie didn't because that's weird. Um, He really likes you, bro. Hey, you want to go out with him sometime? Take this box. From Rod Rosenstein's interview. And by the way, how on earth did Rosenstein stay in charge of the Mueller investigation after being interviewed as a fact witness in the Mueller investigation? I never fucking get that. He really sucks. Well, Rod, which is what I'm going to call him now, used to be Snoop Dagg, but we found out he's a dick. Mm -hmm. Rod told the FBI about Trump telling him to draft the memo to fire Comey and how his rationalization to fire Comey had to be 100% accurate so he could stand behind it. When Rod found out Comey had been fired over email with his doctored memo as a reason, he was angry, ashamed, horrified, and embarrassed, especially about the reports that Trump said it was Rod's idea. Yep. Good, you should be. Now Rod's trying to post Twitter shit like he's all fucking joe walshy and stuff i know every time we get the fuck out of here dude every time he posts on twitter i just say (laughs) i I just reply i know what you did last summer (laughs) (laughs) that's all i do everyone i encourage you to do that i find Uh, just the like the the sort of inspiro bot rod rosenstein tweets and just just reply i know what you did last summer that's so funny um there's a lot more from christie and hope hicks there's a lot from john kelly in these 302s lewandowski rick gates and amarosa and we'll get into the weeds in in this weekend's uh daily beans and muller she wrote so look that look for those uh, wherever you get your podcasts and uh because it's just so much it's just so voluminous it should have its own show almost um and i want to move on to another thing too and this is it has to do with uh another problem that bill barr presents Um, The IRS whistleblower that prompted the House Ways and Means Committee to request Trump's tax returns to examine the effectiveness of the presidential tax audit program is now declining to appear for a transcribed interview. Um, They met in November. um, This this whistleblower from the IRS met in November with both Republican and Democratic staffers, but is declining to appear for a follow up after someone informed them it could be a violation of IRS code to provide the committee with any information related to an individual taxpayer. Uh, I'm wondering who that someone is. Because this whistleblower has information that someone high up in the Treasury, my beans are on Steve, that's Steve <laughs> Mnuchin, interfered with the, the uh, presidential tax audit on Trump's behalf. That's what this whistleblower is alleging. Um, this is an example of the chilling effect that threats posed to the Ukraine whistleblower have on others who would otherwise call out waste, fraud, and abuse in the federal government. This is our first example of, uh, and I don't know what's in, in this whistleblower's head or heart, but... I would be wary of coming forward after seeing what happened to mm-hmm. um, the whistleblower about Ukraine. Especially when it relates to Trump's finances, which he has proven to get the most crazy about. The most. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, he installed that his buddy at the IRS, uh, he pushed that through. Charles Reddick, I believe his name was, before he pushed the confirmation of Bill Barr through, which means he cared more about wow blocking his taxes from coming out at the IRS than he cared about the Mueller findings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and that's it, consistent with how he's been acting. 
Yeah, and I can see why he would be kind of fine with the Mueller findings, knowing, first of all, Barr was going to spin the whole thing. Second of all, that there wasn't a criminal conspiracy charged and that he wasn't going to be indicted and that he got away without testifying or even doing follow-up written questions. And people like Barr and Nunes were telling him everything they were learning about what was in the report um, through the investigations in those separate committees, those intelligence committees. So he likely knew uh, Mm -hmm. what the Mueller report was going to look like. Uh, how narrow the scope was. Rod Rosenstein had told him, don't worry, I'll land this plane. That's why we don't like Rod Rosenstein anymore. <laughs> and and so he likely knew that this would that he could skate out of this. And, and that's why the day after Mueller testified, he called Zelensky and and bribed him. Mm-hmm. Um, although that was although now there's evidence that he's been holding this military aid and White House visits over Ukraine since the previous Ukrainian administration with mm-hmm. Poroshenko and, and Lechenko. So we, and, and not just that, but also the sale of Javelin um, mm-hmm. missiles. Those are Russian tank busters. So good times. It's so hard <laughs> to hear people say, just relax and it'll figure itself out in the next election. You're like, he's already cheating in the next election. He's already- <laughs> and, and, yes. and Republicans are already using Russian talking points yeah. to thwart the next election <sighs> with this whole origins of the investigation shit and mm-hmm. Burr stuff and Nunes and McCarthy they're all compromised. Mm-hmm. I have this weird feeling like this spy movie thing in my head. Remember all the senators on July 4th that traveled to the Kremlin? Mm-hmm. Uh, Rand Paul was one of them. And there was a bunch of them there. And, and I, I don't know the names off the top of my head, but I think there were seven. And they went there on July 4th and then came back and then... <laughs> July 4th. Yeah, I have this feeling what that... What a day to pick. Here's what I think happened. I think, of course we know that when the DNC was hacked, the RNC was also hacked. None of that was out in the Miller report and none of that was publicly weaponized. Here's why I think this is all beans, crazy tinfoil hat beans, super space beans, but I think Putin had all that stuff, shared it with Trump, got all those RNC emails. Lindsey Graham's email was specifically hacked also, and and then invited, you know, and, and, and said, here, you can blackmail these senators with this dirt and then forced them like bitches. And I don't know a better term to use. Uh, uh, how about cucks? I don't know. <laughs> to to try. I don't want it to be gender specific. Pawns. Yes. Pawns. There we go. There we'll we do go. chess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Force them like little pawns to to travel on our Independence Day to the Kremlin to show them what he has on them and to tell them they must be loyal uh, to Trump. That would be a big movie as fuck. That might not be real, but if it is, we should write it. (laughs) Because that's what I feel like happened. Vladimir Putin in the Chamber of Secrets. (laughs) The Chamber of Secrets is John Bolton's mustache. We know that. We know that. Oh, that's so funny. The chessboard underneath. Uh, John Bolton and the mustache of secrets. um, Speaking of the 2020 election, Oh, your next story. Oh, yeah. How'd you know? Oh, I sent you a script. Looking at the script. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and this is a bummer. Senator uh, Kamala Harris is dropping out of the 2020 presidential race. Um, Since California has moved its primary up to Super Tuesday, according to sources, it appears she could not win California and has dropped out of the race, likely to preserve her political strengths for future endeavors and future positions. She was uh, an incredible candidate in my top three. Um, I didn't see this coming today, and I'm I'm sad about it, uh, especially in the light of the likes of Bloomberg and Steyer buying their way into the election and, and remaining. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Senator Harris has said it was about money. She didn't want to run in the red, uh, and she had until December 26th to withdraw or she would appear on the California primary ballot. 
Um, she did the math and didn't have the individual donors. And as a sitting senator in California, potential vice presidential pick, potential attorney general, which is what mm-hmm. I now, now that she's dropped out of the race, which I'm sad about, I, I am now going to put all of my hopes and dreams in that her becoming the attorney general of the United States. But she made this call. I respect her decision. I trust her judgment. But this is tough to swallow for me today. She she was brilliant candidate. Mm-hmm. Also, no more impressions by Maya Rudolph. After the debates. <laughs> I know. Oh, Unless she could still no. do it. Dude, dude Daryl Hammond comes on to do Bill Clinton all the time. Yeah, fair enough. We also yeah. have like hardly any people of color candidates now that are yeah. consistently consistently qualifying for debates. That's the other thing. It's just, it's so, the, 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 it, when Harris drops out, we mm-hmm. are now, we have a less diverse field. Absolutely. Yeah. She's, I also did not expect this to happen so soon, especially since we just read her name and the candidates that qualified for the December debate. She did qualify. Yeah. Um, we just found out Steyer qualified today. Yeah. Of course he didn't. <laughs> it's, well, I guess you have so to have bad. the polling requirement too, but still like Booker hasn't qualified yet, right? Steyer's the only new one. Yeah. And I'm going to donate to Booker again, but you know, I, I, honestly, what from her campaign and from her sources is, is that. It's because California moved their primary up to Super Tuesday, right? And she wasn't polling well in California for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I know why, but uh, you know, I, I'm not going to speculate. But yeah, um, it's just it speaks volumes about where we're at. It does, and also her like who she is as a person, not an egomaniac. Yeah. We, there's a serious loss, though, if we don't have either Harris or Booker on stage for the next debate. A loss of diversity, for sure. Not only that, but a loss of incredible debaters. Mm-hmm. They're Absolutely. two of my favorite debaters. Oh, mm-hmm. they're incredible. And Julian Castro. Yeah, they're yeah, incredible there senators. Either, huh? God. He hasn't made this debate yet. Mm-hmm. He probably, he likely won't. So no people of color on stage at the final debate. Um, we've got Klobuchar, Warren, Biden, Sanders... Harris, no more Harris, Buttigieg, and Steyer. Yep, nope, that's it. All right, (laughs) that's crazy. (sighs) That's a real shame. That is, and it's It's a a huge shame. It it, it's a it's a serious loss. But Uh, anyone who says that you know money and politics doesn't affect Democrats is wrong. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be Tom Steyer and Michael Bloomberg who are up there who just two old white guys who bought their way on stage. I don't think Bloomberg has made it into the. Oh, that's right, he's not doing the debates. I don't think he's made it into this debate yeah. yet. Uh, yeah, I think he joined too late, and Deval Patrick joined too late. Oh, anyway. Yeah. That's, um, well, that's sad. Yeah, it is very sad. I really do hope, though, that it's, like, more realistically, it didn't look like she was going to be the pick, just how things were going consistently. Um, but it does seem like she's going to be a top cabinet pick. Yeah, I'm. I, she's so respected I'm, and so good. I'm very sad. I respect her decision, and now I'm very hopeful. I'm mm-hmm. trying to flip that. I, I need to live with my sadness for a minute, mm-hmm. but I want, I'm going to flip that into hope of, yep. of her as an attorney general to to prosecute Barr, everyone else who Barr failed to prosecute mm-hmm. uh, in 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 these ongoing international crime syndicates. Um, she would make an excellent vice presidential pick, um, especially if Biden somehow got the nomination. Um, I, again, I don't want to rag on any candidates, but you know that you know who my not favorites are. That would be a really interesting <clears throat> team up for America for Biden for it to be Biden and Harris. Mm-hmm. They're that that's like a very complex relationship. <laughs> there's a lot going on there. Yeah, there's a lot going yeah. on there. Mm. Yeah, 
but but uh, yeah, and and she's uh, <clears throat> one of our our best sitting U.S. senators. I voted for her. I bet she'll run again. Times. Wait and, a second. Not to sorry, not to jump, but interrupt. And she's going to be uh, questioning in the in the Senate trial for impeachment. Mm-hmm. Um, will Tulsi Gabbard be on stage? Sorry, I just realized we weren't including her. She has not made that debate. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Not to erase Gabbard. She doesn't um, seem like she's planning on dropping out. No. Yeah. I don't know. And who knows? Maybe maybe the Harris uh, dropping out might trigger others who should have dropped out before Harris to drop out. Yeah. Um, I feel like Gabbard's going to stay in it for as long as she can because she sees herself as like a statement. Yeah. Actually, the Trump war room um, <laughs> uh, endorsed Gabbard today. What um, is what's the Trump war room? It's a Trump group. Uh, it's a verified Trump campaign group hmm. um, said, haha, Kamala Harris is out. Congratulations, Tulsi. Hmm. Something. Oh, because they had that beef or whatever. I think uh, so. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Uh, the Trump War Room is managed by the Team Trump 2020 campaign. Blech. It's a verified account. Blech. Blech. That's um, official. They tweeted out their support for um, Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. Interesting. I'm sure she didn't. Well, we don't have to get all Gabbard talky right now. No, Gabbard. I just <laughs> definitely will judge you by the company you keep or the company that keeps you. Right. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure she's not super stoked by that. I don't completely buy into the like full-blown Tulsi being a Russian asset thing. Yeah, I don't have enough information Unwitting. about that. But yeah, I can't make an educated... Russia supports her. Uh, I don't know yeah. that she's tied into it or not. Though. Yeah, yeah, it's well, clear with what you, what you just said, right? It's like people, yeah. All right, so that is our show. Um, so happy day with Second Circuit, sad day. Um, Senator Harris leaving the race. Uh, again, I'm I'm going to try to be hopeful for her her future uh, political mm-hmm. um, career. Yeah, because it's she's got a big one coming. It's it's she's an amazing candidate. She is, and she was a really important voice on gun control and advocating for mothers, underserved communities. She's just like so fucking rad. And I don't think we're done seeing a lot of her. No, we we have not seen the end um, of Kamala Harris. And so- like you said, she's our senator. And I, yeah, she is. I voted for her. And I, I, I want to read um, as my final thought. We're going to go around with final thoughts here. Uh, Chairman Schiff's presser uh, today that he did about the uh, report to the Judiciary Committee on Ukraine for the impeachment inquiry. Uh, it, it, Adam Klasfeld, who I follow religiously at Klasfeld Reports on Twitter for every court update that you could ever need. There's a lot. There's a lot of people doing court updates. Um, um, but this is one that I do follow. He said, Chairman Schiff's presser ends with a bang. Asked about the report's findings about Rep. Devin Nunes, Schiff notes, there may be members of Congress who were complicit in that activity, referring to the passage detailing Nunes's contacts with Giuliani, Parnas, and Solomon. And I've talked to a couple of prosecutors, and the word may in there may be members of Congress means there are fucking members of Congress. <laughs> so <laughs> that's prosecutor speak, of which Adam Schiff is a delightful one mm-hmm. and a very skilled mm-hmm. uh, prosecutor. But that is prosecutor speak for Nunez is fucking guilty. And he refused to comment on it any further, and he said that's for others to look into. Others? Department of Justice. I know there's an ethics council that's probably going to look into it. What others? Southern District of New York, please, please. (laughs) Please, please. Or the D.C. um, uh, Attorney General. I don't know. I don't know. Jesse Liu, get on it. It could be her or Berman. Anyway, Nunez is effed in the A. Yeah, the worst. 
Can't wait for him to go down. I know. Oh, God, it's going to feel so good. Greg Oliar has tweeted on multiple occasions uh, for a long time that Nunez will spend more prison, more time in prison than any other um, uh, person involved in this. And Wonder. so I'm excited about that. I mean, Looking he doesn't have enough money to keep himself out of prison, probably, as much as the others can. And wouldn't it be just delicious if it were Kamala Harris? Slapping the cuffs oh, on Oh, God. Take yes. that justice porn with you tonight. Any final <laughs> thoughts for you guys? Um, no, have a great morning, night. Yeah. Have a wonderful rest of your day, night, evening, afternoon, whatever, whatever time it is where you are in the world. And yeah, mm-hmm. when you're listening. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone, please take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. I've been Mandarita. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.